Would you take your Bible and open with me to 1 Peter chapter 2? 1 Peter chapter 2. I've got a, a good word for you. Yeah, would you stand to your feet? We honor the reading of God's word in this house. We stand for brides. We stand for at funerals. We stand at football. We stand for the national anthem. We ought to stand for the Lord. We ought to stand for his word. So First uh, Peter chapter 2, if you use the Bible app, I do upload our notes in there. You can go to more events, and you'll see our church listed there with all of my notes, all my points, all the verses, everything, so you won't miss it. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 4, uh, and this is what it says. You are coming to Christ. Is anybody here still going after Jesus? All right, this is for you. He is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people. He was chosen by God for great honor. Verse 5, you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. Through the meditation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. As the scriptures say, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem, chosen for great honor. And anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Yes, you who trust in him recognize the honor God has given him. But those who reject him, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. And he is the stone that makes people stumble, the rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they do not obey God's word. So they meet the fate that was planned for them. Verse 9, but you are not like that. There are people that reject and resist and disobey God and his instruction, but I stand on the word and say, you are not like that. You are a chosen people. You are a you are royal priests. You're a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. So he called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. You once had no identity as a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had received no mercy, but now you have received God's mercy. Hallelujah. Let's pray. And let's ask the Lord to speak to us through his word this morning. Lord, I thank you for your word. It is light, it's life, it's instruction, it's correction. And Jesus, I ask that today as your word comes forward, that it would accomplish all that you desire it to. Lord, I pray for a great anointing to be released all across this room right now. Come on, church, can I just ask you to pray with your spirit if you have liberty. Begin to ask the Lord to move in, this midst, in our midst. Holy Spirit, we ask you to speak to hearts and to change lives. Release a great anointing across this room that you would, Lord, give us eyes to see and ears that hear and a heart that perceives what your spirit is speaking. I pray, Lord, for a great anointing to rest upon me, that I would preach with authority your word as I ought to, and I resist. I bind every work of the enemy. He who would seek to distract, distort, confuse, or uproot the word even as it comes forward. Give us liberty in receiving all that you have for us today. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. And everybody say, Amen. You may be seated. I've entitled this message for those who are taking notes, A Chosen People. A Chosen People. We read that verse, and this has been something that's really been, been just brewing in my heart for a number of months. 
a few weeks, a, few, a couple months ago, we had uh, a group that came in, and, uh, and we were in a prayer meeting. And some of you may remember this. There was a pastor who prayed something to this effect. He said, I, I believe that God desires for his sons and daughters to graduate and become the kings and the priests that God has called us to be. And remember as he prayed that, there was something that just struck my heart. And I, it was like, you know, something just bore witness with that in the spirit. And so I, I just began to meditate and pray and, and really begin to search for this idea in Scripture. And, and this is really what I want to come with today. I am convinced, church, that we've, done a, we've actually done a pretty decent job over the last decades, the last 20 or so years, teaching about identity, about what it is to be a son or a daughter of the Most High God. But my fear is that if we cycle endlessly around that topic, we ultimately remain orphans, striving for acceptance. We do need to graduate. We need to not just be sons and daughters, but I believe God is calling us to be kings, and he's calling us to be priests who rule and who reign with Jesus Christ. Are you trekking with me so far? This is, a, this is a totally new mindset. You consider King David. There was a moment where God called him. Do you realize you're called? Do you realize you're called? Tell your neighbor you are called. Tell him you are chosen. Tell your other neighbor you are chosen. And you are called. Come on, before the Lord, I want you to look to heaven and say, I am called. I am chosen. Do you believe that? There was a moment where a prophet came and said, David, you are called, you are chosen to be king. And he didn't become king right away. The Lord began to take him through a process where he was broken down, he was crushed, but he was anointed and he was built up and he was edified until one day he graduated from just being the son of Jesse and he became the king and the priest whom God had called him to be. And my question for us today, most of us sitting in this room acknowledge, yes, I know that God chose me. I know that there's a call on my life. But I guess what, I, what I'm challenging us in today is are we being intentional in the process? God, I know that there are things that are being chipped and broken in my life because I know that you're drawing an anointing out of me. You are building me up. You are establishing me, not so that I can remain a child in the kingdom of God forever, but so so I can step into uh, the royal priesthood to rule and to reign as in co-heir with Jesus Christ. Oh my goodness. I'm getting fired up already. This is what the Lord has called us to. Now, I do acknowledge, and even, even today, we're going to deal with some of the father wounds. I, I recognize that there are, in fact, statistically, one out of two in this room today have come from a broken home, a broken marriage. You didn't grow up with mom and dad in the picture. There was divorce. Maybe you were adopted. Uh, maybe you were an orphan in the natural. I understand. That is over half of what we're dealing with today. Over 33% in our nation alone grow up without a father in their life. 
And so I recognize that there is a major identity crisis. And uh, this is just a side note, but I just want to encourage. Did you know, well, first of all, I've heard this statistic thrown out there that the divorce rate is higher in the church than it is in the world. And every opportunity I get, get to dispel that, I like to. Research that. That is false. That is not true. The divorce rate is lower in the church than it is in the world. In fact, you can look, and they've actually done extensive studies on this. Couples who attend church regularly, you reduce your chances of divorce by almost 30%. You can add another 10% if you pray together regularly. And if you're serving in the church, it goes down even lower. It's amazing. That's a bonus message for you. The other thing I want to say is there are... (laughs) This is a sad statistic. Did you know that divorce nationally is actually on the decline? But it's not for a good reason. The reason it's on the decline is because fewer people are getting married today. They wait longer or they choose never to get married. And I understand it, man. I was, I was fearful to get married. I'll be honest with you, because my parents' marriage ended in divorce. I understand what it is to be a fatherless child. I understand what it's to be in an abusive situation growing up. I experienced it. And there was a part of me that's like, is my marriage going to end the same way? Thankfully, the Lord broke that idea in my head. We've entered into now 15 years of marital bliss. And it's wonderful. But there are some, you say, I don't want to get married because I see how messed up it can be. I see how broken it can be. And I just, I want to encourage you to embrace a scriptural idea that's from Genesis all through Revelation. How many know that we serve a God of redemption? And yes, there may be broken and ruined things. And you may say marriage is a, man, it may be a lost cause. But, but God is all about redeeming things that are broken and, and messed up. And maybe he could use you to break a cycle that's gone on in your family for generations. Maybe he could use you to bring redemption to this thing. And, and most importantly, I, I want to live in obedience to God and his word. You understand, there is a blessing in that sacred, it's a holy union and we need to esteem it highly so if you're shacking up with your girlfriend your boyfriend get married please i can do weddings go get your marriage license we'll do it right now come on and you'll watch how god begins to bless you so uh moving on we have many who are living with an orphan spirit, and they need to experience what it is to receive the adoption of the Father God. And so we're going to deal with some of that, but I'm just going to tell you, we're not going to hang out there for, for weeks on end. In fact, I'm going to spend today dealing with what it is actually to be chosen by God and received as his son, as his daughter. Today we'll deal with that. But in coming weeks, I'm going to talk about what it is to be a holy priesthood and to be a royal priesthood called to rule and to reign with Jesus Christ. Amen? So, let's look at the text today. I, we, we read it already, so I'm not going to read every verse to you. First Peter chapter 2, just hang out there because I'll, I'll reference things out of this. Verse 9 says, you are a chosen people. I already had you say it, but I want you to say it one more time. I am chosen. Now, this is very important. I want to deal with the idea that you were chosen. Have you ever experienced 
what it is to not be chosen. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You're having flashbacks to PE in public school. Has anybody been the one not chosen? That's a hurtful thing, isn't it? So I, I know what that was like. I, I experienced that a time or two when you're the last one that's picked. And so we had an experience. I'll give you one, one Texas story from our mission trip this last week. We, were, we went to Magnolia. Anybody like Joanna Gaines, Chip Gaines, all them? So we went to the silos there, and they had a new addition. They had built a baseball field. And this thing was awesome. They had uh, wiffle balls and bats and all that kind of stuff. And so uh, while the ladies were just going crazy, uh, you know, enjoying their shopping and that experience and all of that, we had people on the trip bring extra suitcases just so they could buy stuff at Magnolia and bring it home. Praise God. And so, uh, but most of us men were, were sitting around bored. I mean, you go, you get a coffee, you eat a famous scone, and then uh, and that's about it, right? And so uh, uh, we go by, and I see this wiffle ball, and I'm like, man, let's, let's, let's play. It's like 180 degrees there, but, um, but let's just play. It'll be fun. And so we, we gather uh, a bunch of the, the young men, and I'm, I'm one captain, and I won't tell you who the other captain was because uh, he didn't... He was being mean. So Gabriel was the other captain. And, uh, and we're going through it. So everybody's lined up, and we begin to choose our teams, right? You've been through this? And so uh, uh, Gabriel chooses first. He chooses the most, most athletic, you know, guy looks like he's got experience, everything, biggest guy uh, out there other than myself because it was mostly young boys who were playing. And Gabriel chooses him, and he begins to pick. And I realize he's picking all the athletic all the, you know, all the up and coming, you know, they just look like, and, and he's leaving all of these other guys. And so I decided to do something maybe pastoral. I'm, I'm going to pick all the ones that he doesn't want to pick. So I start picking all these other guys to be on my team. And I have a wonderful testimony. <laughs> we destroyed the chosen team. <laughs> We only played two innings, but we beat them pretty badly. And um, it is wonderful. But we all know what that's like to be chosen or to not be chosen. But according to Scripture, the Bible says that if you are coming to Christ, you have been chosen. Now, this is amazing. You go through, and, and, you, and you can see in Scripture, I mean, Peter begins to outline there was, a, there was a promise that was given to his brethren, the children of Israel. They were chosen, but they missed it. And, and the Bible begins to outline it. It talks in verse 7, this is in 1 Peter chapter 2, that God the Father gave Jesus honor, but there were those who rejected and dishonored Jesus. That's verse 7. Jesus wanted to be a foundation, a rock, a foundation for their lives, but instead they were offended and they stumbled over that rock in verse 8. And then the Bible says that he wanted to set them apart as holy, as sanctified for him and his purposes, but they chose rather to disobey God's word in verse 8. And so here's my warning to you. I can say with assurance, if you're going after Jesus, I say with confidence, you are chosen. You've got a call on your life. But you can forfeit that. If you want to forfeit that amazing call, here's what you do. You reject and dishonor Jesus. You live in offense to God and his word. And you live in disobedience to the call 
to holiness that he's asked of each and every one of you. And you say, that's heavy, Pastor. Yeah, it is. You can forfeit the call of God. But I will again declare over you, verse 9, you're not like that. There are those who reject and dishonor Jesus. There are those who disobey his word. There are those who resist and get offended and trip over the word of God. But you are not like that. Tell your neighbor, you're not like that. Tell your other neighbor, you're not like that. I'm going to get you guys talking to your, your neighbors a lot today. You're a chosen people. This is actually a promise that was first mentioned in Deuteronomy chapter 7. You don't have to turn there, but I'll I'll quote it to you. It says, you are a holy people. You belong to the Lord your God. Of all the people on the earth, the Lord your God has chosen you to be his own special treasure. This is is the very same thing that Peter is saying. You, You might say, well, that was for Israel. Yes, But Peter is giving us an idea. They rejected, many rejected, but for those who have received Jesus can now step into this promise that God gave way back then. It's for us today. He has chosen you. And so I've got three ideas for you. Number one, you were chosen, and that means, first of all, you belong. That means you belong. Deuteronomy 7, 6 says, you belong to the Lord your God. Friend, you belong here. You belong here. You have a place here. I love how 1 Peter breaks that down. In 1 Peter uh, chapter 2 and verse 5, it says, you are living stones. That God is building into a spiritual temple. I like that, living stones. That would make a good church name, I think. I'm not mocking. I like those guys. You are living stones. Now, this is a beautiful picture. Can I, can, can I just, I know I'm going to have somebody. There's a lot of lone wolves out there. There's a lot of people that, man, I'm just going to have church on the beach. I'm just going to love Jesus up on the mountain. It's this hippie kind of worship. I'm just going to go hug trees and experience Jesus. And and I believe that nature testifies, but, but I'm telling you, we were meant to do church together. It's a body. And I know I'm preaching to the choir because you're sitting in the church today. But understand this. There are five. I'm going to ruin somebody's theology today, okay? Are you ready for this? There are five references in the New Testament to being the temple of God or the temple of the Holy Ghost. 100% of those verses are not dealing with me as an individual. It's dealing with us as a body. 100%. I have people say, I'm the temple of the Holy Ghost. Kind of. You are a stone in the temple of the Holy Ghost. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Now, I understand, yes, you are a dwelling place for the Lord, but you in and of yourself cannot do all that God has called you to do. But you have an important part to play. Think about this picture. You are a living stone that God is forming into a holy temple. Now, here in Kona, we've got a lot of lava rock. And you've probably seen there's buildings, there's walls that are made of stones that are stacked one on another. And I don't know if you've ever taken time to look at this. It's different than a brick building. 
bricks are formed, they're shaped, sometimes they're carved, and every one of them looks exactly the same. They line them up one on another, there's mortar, there's mud in between them, and boy, it sure does look perfect. But if you ever look at a stone wall or a stone structure, every one of those rocks is different. And there are experts at building walls, and here's what's incredible. In fact, I had an occasion where a Hawaiian friend of mine, he owns Hawaiian land on Maui, way up in the mountains. His family, his ancestors have lived there for generations. And I had a real honor on one occasion. He says, Pastor, I want, you to, take, I want to take you to see where my family was. And so we begin up this land, and it was sacred. It was kapu. And, and so he literally had me take off my shoes as we began to walk on his ancestors' land. We go way up into the mountains. I couldn't even take you back to where we went. Way up into the mountains. And as we get up there, I begin to see stones. And we come to this place where there was what looked like the foundation of a house and stone walls that were all around this place. And what was incredible, I looked at, that, I looked at this particular stone wall. And there was no mud, there was no mortar, there was nothing. But they were literally rocks that were perfectly fitted to form, next to one another, form a beautiful wall that was long-lasting. In fact, he told me that his family for nearly 400 years had been in that area. And those walls are still standing. It's amazing. I'll tell you what, you see, you see, have you ever seen these graphics? I should have pulled it up. You know, you, you look and driving in those Texas roads, you see potholes. You know, we've got all this technology and all of this stuff. And in two years, we got potholes the size of your car. But you can go to stone walkways in Rome, and they still look the exact same way they did 2,000 years ago. God's not making bricks, and he's not making asphalt. He's using people as living stones fit together. And you know where I find assurance in this whole thing? Listen, you may say, Pastor, I'm not like you. I can't talk like you. I can't sing like the people on the worship team. I can't play guitar like that. I'm not like this or that. I say, praise God. I'm a unique stone, and there's none like me. But you are a unique stone, you are shaped and you are formed in a very particular way. And there is a place within the temple of God that has been carved out specifically for you. And if you do not step into what God is calling you to, friend, there's going to be a hole in our wall. You imagine if we had holes in this wall. Everything, the heat and the noise and the elements from outside would all be interfering in here. And I'm telling you, in the body of Christ, the Lord has designed you as a living stone. You have a place. You say your gift is different. Yeah, I told a story in the first service about a, a pastor on our staff. His name is Daniel Wine. He's on our Maui team. And Daniel Wine is not a profound preacher. He's not musical. He's not even, you know, an organized or administrative person. You say, well, well, then what does Pastor Wine bring to the table? The thing is, you go talk to Pastor Wine. He knows every single homeless person that lives on Maui. He'll look at these people, and they're, they're asking for money, and he just looks, and he knows their situation, and he'll just begin to cry. God has given him a gift of mercy. 
that is so necessary. I don't have that gift. That's why I don't do a lot of counseling, okay? Uh, I don't have that gift. Of, I, I got this prophetic thing, and I'll just I'll rebuke it, and, uh, and we'll just get on. But if you want somebody to cry with you, I don't, I don't even know who to send you to in our church. I don't. We need to. Here's my point. We got a hole in our wall. We need somebody with a gift of mercy to come start doing counseling. Praise God. <laughs> you belong. You belong here. Everybody, look at your neighbor and tell them you belong here. You're unique. You're one of a kind. And you have a place in God's temple. Here's the second thing. You were chosen because you are loved. You are chosen because you are loved. Well, where do you see that, Pastor? In that Deuteronomy text. And again, Peter is quoting Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy 7 uh, and verse 6, you are a holy people. You belong to the Lord. All of the people of the earth, uh, the Lord has chosen you as his special treasure. Now listen to this. The Lord did not set his heart on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other nations. You were the smallest. Rather, it was simply that the Lord loves you. Why did God choose these people? And why has God chosen us? He says flat out, you weren't the biggest, the strongest, the wealthiest. You didn't have a great army. I chose you because I love you. That'll trip your brain, man. Now, you may think that you're the greatest gift to the earth that God has ever released upon mankind. You may think, I'm the most talented, I'm the most skilled, I'm the most beautiful, I just, you know, whatever it is. But I just got news for you, friend. There is somebody who is more qualified than you. There's somebody more brilliant, more skilled, more attractive, more wealthy, more whatever. But God chose us. Not because... We brought something to the table, not because we could earn or deserve it. He chose us because he loves us. He chose you because he loves you. While we were sinners, Jesus died for us. The Bible says that for the love that was set before him, Jesus endured the agony of the cross. Love. This is incredible. God loves you enough. Deuteronomy continues to bring you out of slavery. He loves you enough to bring you out of bondage. And where at one time there was generational cursings, Deuteronomy goes on to say, I will bless you even to a thousand generations. That's how much God loves you. That's how much he loves you. Not because you earn it or deserve it, but he loves you. In our response, Deuteronomy, it says that he lavishes his unfailing love on those who love him. Our response when God lavishes love upon us, we only have one response, is to love him in return. For those who are married... Maybe you were married or maybe you're, maybe you're dating somebody and, boy, your heart is really starting to grow fond of them. I'd love to hear, in fact, we're going to do this exercise on Thursday. We've got a marriage class. I'm, I want to hear 
What was the first time you told your significant other, I love you? I want you to think about, because I, I can tell you about the first time I told Leah when we were dating that I love her. It took us a little while. I had never told anybody in my life uh, other than my family. I'd never told any other person, I love you. She was the first. So I told her, I love you. And I know I had caught her off guard because she did not respond with, I love you. <laughs> she looks around. I know she wasn't expecting it. But somebody always takes that leap first, don't they? They always, somebody always has to go first. Now, I was okay that she didn't immediately respond. I love you too. I've been waiting for you to tell me. That would have been wonderful. But she came on board. She came on board very quickly. She did. And, but can you imagine now, imagine you're falling in love and, and, and you finally find it within your heart to profess that love. And you're demonstrating it. You're walking it out. It's not just words, but like you're, you're really in this thing. And then they don't reciprocate. They don't tell you, and you, you might be okay with that like the first time, the second time, but if weeks, if months go by and you're not responding to them in love, I don't know how you'd respond. I'd get angry. I... This is what the Lord is asking of us. And, and can I just help you today, friend? The Bible says He lavishes His unfailing love upon us. The reason he chose us, not because you earned it or deserved it, but he lavished his love on you simply because he loved you. Our response to him, hear me on this, our response to him is not, now I need to do stuff. Now I've got an obligation to fill. Now I've got stuff to do. No, our response is to love him in return. That's all he asks of us. He, we love him, the Bible says, because he first loved us. Somebody came and said, Jesus, um, what do I need to do to fulfill the law and the commandments? I, I don't murder. I don't steal. I've not committed adultery. What do I what do? I do? And, and Jesus, you've done good. You've done good. But really, it all comes down to one thing here. The greatest command. And the one on which all the law and the prophets hang. There's only one. Some of you get freaked out. Do I got to obey all the commandments? Everything in a... There's only one commandment you need to memorize. And if you can get this down, everything else will fall into place. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, your mind, and your strength. Love the Lord. If you can do that, You'll fulfill everything else. Friend, I'm telling you, there is nothing that I wouldn't do for this woman of God or these precious children who are sitting on the front row here. Not because I'm trying to earn their affection. I'm not trying to gain their approval by doing stuff. But there is nothing that I wouldn't do for them because I love them and they love me. And it's the very same thing with the Lord. 
Yes, the Lord will ask things. He will call us to do things. He's calling us to step into royal priesthood. We're going to rule and we're going to reign with Jesus. But all of that is out of the foundation that we love him because he first loved us. Do you love Jesus today? Do you love the Lord? Are you thankful that he called you? Oh, my goodness. Now, let me go on to the last one here. And we close with this. You were chosen. Oh, this is my favorite one. You were chosen as God's very own. You were chosen as God's very own. You were chosen. That means you belong. You were chosen because he loves you. But you were chosen as God's very own. Deuteronomy 7 and our first Peter text both say we are a chosen people. And they both use the same phrase. God's very own possession. You have anything in your house that's just like this is highly valuable. Maybe you keep it in a in a cabinet, you keep it in a, you know, in a safe place, in a lockbox, in a safe or whatever. I mean, I don't know if you grew up. Uh, this is like a Midwest thing. Everybody had a china cabinet with some expensive uh, silverware and you know, I mean, we had one of those. We never used it. I don't know why in the world we had that. It, maybe it's a generational heirloom. I'm not sure. Mom, tell me about that. All I know is, boy, we could use the plastic cups and the crack cups, but, boy, we would be in a lot of trouble if we got in that china cabinet and tried to use that expensive cup. It was a prized possession. I don't even know the story behind it. We all have things like that, don't we? Things that we guard, things that, boy, this is mine, and this is, this is special. This is something for the family. Did you know God looks at you like that and even so much more you are his prized possession I am God's prized possession some of you may wonder you're in this service and Pastor Jacob just begins hollering and shouting about breaking sickness and depression and disease and all like who is this guy and who gives him the right you know, somewhere along the line, I just came into this awareness. I belong. I am God's prized possession. And I just have this confidence inside of me that there is nothing that I would ask of him that's too much. There is nothing that I would ask of him that is out of reach. I don't know if you feel this way, but I feel this way towards you. That when I see people oppressed or beat down or sick, and I know that Jesus has made a way out, there's something that rises on the inside of me saying, you are God's prized possession and you don't need to walk in that. God came to redeem your emotion. You don't need to live with cancer in your body. Jesus shed his blood so that you could be healed and restored. We don't need to walk around broken and beat down and destroyed because you are God's prized possession. This is a big deal, friend. And we need to get serious about this. Well, maybe God doesn't like me. Maybe, you know, you understand when God called you? He didn't just say, you know what, you can hang out in heaven, but you got to go like, you know, outside somewhere. Like you can come into property, uh, but uh, no. 
as his very own. Let me encourage you with the Bible. Exodus 19.5, you are my treasured possession. Isaiah 43.21, you are a people I formed for myself. I want you to think about that. He made you for him. Guys, I mean, this is just like, like this blows my mind. You know, there's places in my heart that only my son can fill. There's places in my heart that only my daughter can fill. Somebody else could come along, a friend, somebody I care about, but, but man, there's something in my heart that is only reserved for them. Did you realize God made you for himself? And there is a place. You want to know why God contends over souls? You want to know why Jesus would be willing to die? There is a place within the heart of God that can only be filled by you. Some of you are thinking, I, I know some of you are thinking right now, well, of course, he thinks that about you, Pastor Jacob. You're in the ministry. No, he thinks that about you. Put your hand on your heart right now. God, I'm asking all across this room, I'm asking all across this room, the spirit of wisdom and revelation, that you would show us, O oh Lord, what it is to be a son or a daughter of the Most High God. Some of us feel inadequate. Some of us feel unworthy. But Jesus, I know you shed your blood. You laid down your life because your desire was to redeem us and bring us to yourself as your very own. Lord, there's a place in, in your heart. There's a void that we fill. There is nothing that we can bring to God that does anything for Him. God doesn't need our strength. He doesn't need our money. He doesn't need our experience. He doesn't need, he doesn't need anything. But there is one thing that we can bring Him that nothing else in creation, that nothing else on this planet can bring Him. love, it's our worship, it's our adoration for Him. I may go a little far when I say there's a void in His heart. Maybe I need to retract that on a theological level, but you understand there are things that that only you can bring Him through your love and your worship of Him. Would you stand to your feet? And we're going we're gonna to close. 
How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. You're His son. You're His daughter. You're not just adopted. Well, yeah, you can be a stone in the church, but uh, that's... No, no, no. How great is the love He has lavished on us that we are called children of God. The Spirit, Romans 8.16, testifies with our spirit. We are God's children. If we are children, we are heirs. We are heirs of God and we are co-heirs with Christ. You want to know why I pray with authority? Why I'll holler and shout and scream and and contend for people to be set free? Because I understand that the very same authority and power that Jesus himself walked in, we are co-heirs with him. We have the same inheritance. We have the same authority as we pursue Jesus Christ. You're no longer a slave, Galatians 4, 7, but you're a son. And since you are a son, God has also made you an heir. You have an inheritance. My, my.